Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And I got to say, I am beyond excited about today's episode. This is an episode that I've been dreaming about, thinking about for a couple of years, probably, or more. Hey, Brett Curry here. Before we dive into today's topic, I want to talk quickly about YouTube ads. People ask me all the time, what makes for a great YouTube ad? And it's true. The ad is the hardest part for getting YouTube to work. Now, I love the campaign structure. I love audience targeting. And I love tinkering with bids and using the smart bid algorithm. And I even like budget management. I like all that behind the scenes stuff. But I've seen it time and time again where the exact same campaign structure just limps along with a mediocre video. But you get the right video with the right message that resonates with people, and that same campaign structure just takes off. It scales. And so over the last couple of years, my team and I, we've been collecting good YouTube ads. We've been watching, we've been paying attention, looking at our own clients, looking at the numbers, finding what are ads that resonate and work on YouTube. And so we started building this little guide, this little guide that we use internally. And we started categorizing ads and giving them fun names like the manifesto and the UGC mashup and the have it all. And so we started kind of breaking down what elements in these videos make them work. And so I was speaking at a recent event and I just happened to mention that this resource existed and uh, people sort of clamored for it. Like everybody's like, hey, I wanna see the guy, I wanna see that resource, I wanna see all these successful ads. And so that's what we've done. So we put together this resource, kind of first time ever, gonna share it with a broader audience, it's free. So check it out and get our list of winning YouTube ad formulas with lots of examples. Let this be your inspiration for your next killer YouTube ad. So this is a free resource. We'll link to it in the show notes to this show, but you can also go to omgcommerce.com click on resources and then guides, and it's the YouTube ad templates and guide. Check it out, and I hope it inspires your next killer YouTube ad campaign. And now, back to the show. My guest today really doesn't need an introduction, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Uh, so today I've got Ryan Daniel Moran. He is the founder of capitalism.com and the Capitalism Conference, which I was just sharing with him earlier, I've had several people, several entrepreneurial friends, people I trust say it's the best event they've ever been to. I shamefully have never been. So I will, I will remedy that, you know, once we're allowed to leave our houses and, and do events again <laughs> at some point. Uh, Ryan's also the author of a brand new book called 12 Months to 1 Million. I'm a huge fan of Ryan's podcast He's introduced me to some amazing people, financial planners and, and other things. And so consumed a lot of his content. I love the way he thinks about business and about building brands and the way he's just super honest and relatable and fun. And uh, so with that, Ryan, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for taking the time. Brett, thank you so much. I'm not sure I can live up to that podcast. So thanks for li listening, everybody. See you later. <laughs> We're done. That's a wrap. See you. Thanks. Thanks for coming. That's amazing. Amazing. So we were just talking now, uh, you know, hopefully people will be listening to this podcast for years to come. We are, though, uh, recording during the midst of quarantine and lockdown. And you know, there's a potentially an, an end in sight. You know, we're here, people, you know, different states talking about opening up beginning of May or whatever, which is a few weeks away at the time of this recording. Uh, so I want to dig into a few things. I want to I talk about your mindset. I want to talk about the way you're, you're, you're processing this environment specifically related to e-commerce. Sure. And then we'll get into some other fun stuff, investing and other cool stuff, which I'm, I'm excited to pick your brain about. So I know you're viewing this as an opportunity, right? It's a challenge too. There's hardship. It's difficult. We don't want to downplay that. But, but why and how are you viewing this as an opportunity? True story. Yesterday, I was speaking with someone that I hadn't met before and the you know Zoom fired up and that person said, how you doing, Ryan? And I said, I'm doing really well. It's great to meet you. How are you doing? And he said, I'm fine, all things considered. And I didn't even think about it. I said, oh, what's to be considered? And, <laughs> and, and he looked kind of surprised by, by that statement. But I was very, being very genuine in, in my question because 
I think in all situations, in all cases, you are whatever you're considering. That phrase, all things yeah, considered. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just a, all things considered. I mean, are you considering the fact that you woke up this morning in like a comfortable bed and got to spend your day structured however you chose it with people that you chose to spend it with? I mean, it, all things considered, the sun shone this morning and it is about to be the best time of year. I mean, the fact that we're listening to a podcast right now about business and yeah, investing. For free, wherever we want to listen free. to Free, yes. I mean, so, and some people say that's trite, that's easy to overlook. Everything is easy to overlook. It's easy to overlook the number of deaths from a pandemic. It's easy to not think about it. It's easy to not think about the economy. It's easy to not think about how many people died of a heart attack this week. And I don't mean to be crass. I just mean that we're in control of whatever we focus on. And when we're having things beamed at us all of the time, it requires us to be more intentional about focusing on what it is that we want. And so I just made the decision about three weeks ago that I was... I was no longer going to pay attention to the things that didn't serve me. A, a, a good kind of comparison to this is in college, like every good college person, uh, I went down a bit of a conspiracy theory rabbit hole. We, we, like, I think most people go through that period in their life where they're like, they question what's normal. They question the, the narrative. They question yeah. the official story. And so I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole. And, it, and, and after a while, I finally just had to ask myself the question, is consuming all of this information about this topic making my life better? And it wasn't. It was making my life far worse. It was making me scared to make decisions. It was making me fearful of other people. It was making me really negative. And I feel the same the conspiracy way. Conspiracy theories are kind of like junk food, right? Where they're like really tasty and really enticing, but afterwards you're like, oh. I've heard them described as pessimist porn. <laughs> It's like bad news. You can't stop looking at it. But if someone else walks in the room, you're like, oh, what? No, I'm not, no, I'm not I mean. looking at conspiracy theories. <laughs> and so, so the, I view the, the pandemic as kind of similar. Not that I'm suggesting it's a conspiracy theory, but just that the idea of this consuming more and more information and making evaluations of what could or might not happen serve you. And, and the only way that I think it might serve us is if we evaluate how we can use this to become better business owners, to be better family members, better leaders. How, if there was a way to turn this into an opportunity, what might it be? I mean, I, I for me personally, I needed some way to turn this into a positive quickly. So I just decided, you know what I'm going to do is I'm just going to get into the best shape of my life. I'm just going to really awesome. clean up my diet. I'm going to really focus on my mental health. I'm going to read books. I'm going to journal. Even if I get nothing productive done, I could look back and say, you know what I did in quarantine? I spent a ton of time with my daughter and my young son. And I read books and I journaled. And I thought about what I wanted. And I got into a great shape. And I went for long walks. And I saw nature. And I listened to podcasts. And you can turn that into whatever experience you want. So that's how I'm handling quarantine. I love it. And I think it's really just a shift because we've all probably gone to some dark places, at least momentarily during all of this. For me, I've had a couple of bouts of just, just kind of wrestling with anger a little bit. Like, man, why can't we just fix this? Or why can't, why does this have to happen? Or why? But I get over it pretty quickly. I, I think what I'm hearing you say lines up with kind of my thinking too, is that if you can go 100% into what you can control and, and zero or as close to 0% on the things you can't control, that puts you in a lot better space because you can't control when the lockdown ends. You can't control the spread of, of COVID-19 other than just your limited circle. You can't, you can't impact any of those. So why worry about them? Uh, spend 100% of your time on things you can control. That's exactly right in all cases, all the time. Yes. Especially yeah. right now. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I, you know what? I've, I've had a lot of conversations with entrepreneur friends who have expressed that for what some reason they're feeling a little bit happier than normal. Mm -hmm. And I, I wasn't quite sure why that might be at first. And I started to process it because I, I could feel it when I saw the opposite happen for me. What was, when I had one really bad day, what happened? And I caught it. It was, it was when I talked to a friend and all they were talking about was how much they were killing it and how much they were mm -hmm. selling and how they were growing. And I had this little twinge of, ugh, like, 
I'm behind. That little thought mm-hmm. in your brain that is like, I'm behind, I'm not enough, I'm not growing as fast as I should be. But what was interesting is all up until that point, I hadn't heard a single thing about anybody else crushing it or killing it in three weeks. And I think that's why a lot of entrepreneurs are feeling a little bit of this like, I feel kind of relieved. I feel kind of at peace because we're not playing this comparison game that is constantly going on in the internet marketing world about how this person's ad is killing it while this person's product is growing and this this a-hole Ryan Moran sold his business and like, like all these wins that everybody else is having except for me. That thought loop that is going on in so many of our brains has quieted down because we don't see all of the wins of everyone while we're all focused on this problem. And I think that's actually been a really healthy step back for a lot of the entrepreneurial world. Yeah, almost like almost like a reset, you know? And and I love the fact that you mentioned reading. We, uh, my wife and I, we were consuming potentially a decent amount of Netflix in, in the evening. <laughs> I was still getting a lot of work done, still getting a lot of work done. Uh, but after a few nights, I was like, I, I'm like tired of this. Like I want to do something productive. So we started reading a little bit more and uh, we're going on walks like my kids. So I don't know if you know this, but I have, I have eight kids, um, but we busy. have been, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, not Amish or, or Mormon, just, just <laughs> eight, eight kids. Uh, and so we didn't do it go on walks every night, every night after dinner, we're going on a walk. Our neighbors that are about a half a mile from us, they have horses. One of those horses is pregnant due any day. So we've been going and checking on the horse. Like it's been a really interesting reset in a lot of ways. And so yes. I think I think if you can take that mindset of saying, okay, I, we're here. Whether I like it or not, we're here. So how do I hit the reset button? I love getting out of the comparison game. Like that's such a dangerous trap to be in, in in a lot of cases. And how do I make myself better? Get in the best shape of my life. Get my head right. Be ready to really excel once things are, you know, turned back on. And I would say that now versus two months ago, there are still an equal number of things that are good and are bad. Mm-hmm. It's just 100%. which ones you're looking at. The only 100%. thing that has changed is the things that you were looking at as good yep. have shifted and now they're somewhere else. Yeah. And yeah. most of the world is just waiting for them to come back. And yeah. Brett, I don't think they're coming. I don't think a lot of them are coming back. I, yeah, I don't, yeah. There's going to be a new normal for sure. I think we just move forward in a different direction. And yeah, I, yeah. that is not good or bad. It is just the just way is. of the world. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really powerful. So let, let's talk specifically e-commerce. So, so yeah. how, you know, you're, you're, you're an investor now. You built an, uh, you know, a company had an eight-figure exit. You're now advising and you got you know, your back room and you're talking to smart entrepreneurs all the time. How has this pandemic, this event, how has it shifted your thinking towards e-commerce, your outlook for e-commerce, or, or has it shifted it? Yeah. So, I mean, from a big landscape point of view, I think what has happened is we've, we're now officially going to g- digitize everything. Like all, all businesses that you used to go to the store to get, we're now proving that you don't have to. Mm-hmm. Now, full disclosure, I love to go grocery shopping. Like right now, one of the projects I'm working on is a food company. It's a baking company. I'm so, I, I love to browse the baking aisle and get new ideas. When I was in the supplement business, I used to love to look at the supplement lines. I love to go shopping. But we've proven that you don't have to go shopping anymore, right? I mean, Instacart is having its heyday right now. You, know, you might have delivery services that become Fortune 500 companies. Right. So, so you, we are now proving that you can digitize anything that you thought you couldn't in the past. And that trend is going to continue. We're going to continue going down that path. I also love to go to Barnes and Noble. I have a feeling they're not going to exist after all of of this uh, plays out. So I think we are seeing an acceleration of what we've seen for the past five to 10 years, which is that big brands are giving way to small micro brands that address very specific problems for very specific groups of people. So you asked about my kind of view as an investor or as an advisor. I have someone right now who I'm uh, I'm coaching, and I we might get to the point where it talks about an investment. We'll see. But I just I love this the student's approach where she has this fairly small blog, and her market is breastfeeding moms with kids that have skin issues. You couldn't get more micro than that. Yep. Yep. Right. So 
her product is very specifically targeted to that group. And because of that, it's formulated specifically for that group. So whereas most people might look at that space and say, it's a crowded space, the supplement space or the probiotic space, uh, you can get a probiotic for nine bucks on Amazon. This is so specific to that market that she can charge three to five times the price of her competitors and it'd be worth it because it's made to address a specific problem. Because she has an audience that is specific to that group, she can charge a higher price. She has a bigger moat in that audience and in that space. And she has a more predictable launch plan for that. Those are the types of entrepreneurs that I love to back. And those are the types of businesses that I think are going to succeed no matter what happens over the next one to three years in the economy or in the world. If you have a very specific audience that you can speak to and speak their language, I think we're going to be just fine. And a lot of entrepreneurs are going to wake up to the fact, especially in the e-commerce world, that the game has to be more about speaking to customers and consumers rather than figuring out what the next thing is that you're going to sell. Interesting. I love that. And, I, and, I, and I, it's so interesting, you know, that, that e-commerce has been growing at about, you know, 15% globally year over year for the last, you know, however many years, forever. But I think this this condensed window of a couple months has accelerated that growth big time. Yeah. And people that were not used to getting their groceries delivered or in their groceries online, you know, buying breastfeeding equipment online, what, like whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. or supplements, that they're doing that now uh, like never before. And what's interesting, uh, reading some articles about how people buy things in a recession and how to market in a recession. We just did a webinar called Seven Ways to Market in a, in a Crisis. And one of the things that we found is that people are open to new things more in times of uncertainty mm-hmm. or in a recession than at other times. Mm-hmm. Right now, even people that are not impacted financially, they're open to new things because they have to be. Like, I can't, I can't yes. just go to the store and get this thing that I always got. Yes. So I'm open, I'm open to you. I'm open to you, marketer or e-commerce company. Uh, tell, me your, tell me your story. And, and so uh, it really is an opportunity for, for us, I think, if we, if we capture it and, and approach it the right way. Yeah, um, and I, I think we're going to see more brands move into cold advertising on Facebook and Instagram because I think they're going to have to because they don't have shelf space anymore. But I think those big brands are going to struggle to communicate exactly to that target audience. Right, right. And so I think we do have an advantage and an opportunity to move quickly right now. And if you can speak to a very specific target market, I, th- I think you are in just an absolute perfect time to be an e-commerce entrepreneur right now. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and just a quick thought on ads right now. You know, we, we focus a lot on the Google ads ecosystem and Amazon ads, but Google ads are kind of on sale right now. Like YouTube, we're seeing YouTube cost... 20 to 50% less, kind of depending on the audience and stuff right now. Um, Won't last forever. Costs will continue to go up. Like that's a certainty. But when you can combine the fact that, hey, as smaller e-commerce entrepreneurs, we know how to connect with people and ad costs are lower, now's a pretty good time. That's amazing. And and I'll throw into that influencers, I think, are on sale too. You have fewer brand sponsorships. Yep. You have you have fewer. And they got time. What are they What are they doing right now? <laughs> sure, some of your product. I'll create a video this evening. Yeah. Right, right. And so, man, I I I really do think you you have to be a little bit scrappy right now. But I think that if you're That's willing fun, to be scrappy, yeah. and you know, you just you just said something really important. You said it's fun though. It is. It is. I disagree with you because a lot of e- we've had such a heyday in the e-commerce world that a lot of entrepreneurs succeeded in businesses that they don't really like. They just were pursuing the money or the result. And that that's fine. Like, I, I mean, I started my first business for the money too. But at some point, that has a ceiling until you really like what you're doing or you like your customer. And we're in a very interesting window right now where you can make the pivot to rolling out a business that you enjoy a lot more than the thing that you're just doing for money. And that opens up a new kind of gear for you to do the scrappy things to get ahead. Doing what you like is actually a really sweet unlock to growing something even bigger than what you're doing right now. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it's one of those things, I heard a quote from Stephen King years ago where he's like, you know, I love where I'm at. I'm paraphrasing here. But I missed, I missed the hungry days. 
Like I missed the days when I was like scrapping and trying to figure things out and fighting to get, and, and you know, most of us probably aren't at that, that point where we're like, you know, billionaire or whatever. But, but I think there's something to be said about when we have to shift gears and get into that scrappy mode and kind of get after it a little bit, it should, it should awaken something in you. Uh, and that's for me anyway. I love what I do. I've always loved what I, what I've done in this space, but, um, getting scrappy is kind of fun. It, it is when you enjoy what is unfolding for you. Right. You know, so I was just playing with this thought earlier today, Brett. This isn't fully flushed out, so you're getting the raw file. Right. Forgive me. But I, I, was, I was thinking about how things like um, everything is about to be free. Go with me for a second. Like sure. money, okay. money right now, mm-hmm. 0% interest rates. Money's yeah. free. Or, or forgiven if you get the you know, particular part of the CARES Act, you know, you get a yeah, you know, right, right. forgiven. Um, oil, it's free. Gasoline, cheapest in history. It's basically free. Um, air travel, about to be the cheapest in history. Basically free. Uh, but anything that you want is about to be basically free. So we don't have to do anything for money anymore. If you, if you think about this, pretty much the whole world has opened up. Prices are about to come crashing down. Starting a, biz, starting a business, Brett, basically free. You can kickstart whatever you want, get pre-orders, place the inventory order, and fulfill. I mean, like, advertising, this podcast, free. Like, almost everything that you want is actually can be done free. So you might as well just do what you want. Because the whole world is getting to the point, and I don't mean to be crass. I, I, like, I know there's, I think there's more mental financial stress than there is actual financial stress. Agreed. Agreed. Like people worry about what's going to happen while they are eating a full meal on their cell phone. And mm-hmm. I get, like, I've been there, right? When the, when the, when the stock market fell from 30,000 to 18,000, I had those moments of fear of what am I going to do? I got, need to make more money. All like, going I away. had it yep. too, and I got lots of money. So, but so I, I understand like the, men, the, 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 the mental game that happens. And I don't mean to be crass. I just mean that anything that you really want to do, you can basically do for less than it has ever cost in real dollars in history. And that trend is continuing. We have more abundance than ever before. So you might as well just do what you want because we just got to the point where like we've all kind of won. Like if you're safe and you're healthy and you don't have to go anywhere in quarantine, this is a really good time to dream. It's a really good time to be like, what do I want? Because in this, like when life moves forward, we can do anything and prices are going to be cheap and there's going to be lots of mobility and we can do whatever we want. So we might as well just build businesses that we like and that we get really jizzer jazzered up about. Yeah, and, and I love I love that you're you're saying it's free. I think that that adds some some drama to it, like like opens your eyes a little bit. I think another way to frame it is like, it's accessible, right? You, 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 you can get these things, gas, air travel, business, like it's accessible and potentially getting there is easier than it's ever been before, mm-hmm. which is, which is really cool. So awesome. Uh, so listen, I want to, I want to kind of paint two different scenarios and I want to, I want to pick the brain of Ryan and see what you would advise for an e-commerce company uh, in these two scenarios. And, and your advice may be almost identical for both. If it is, it's fine. So really seeing two groups of e-commerce companies, the majority of the e-commerce companies we work with and talk to are actually doing quite well right now. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I did. So we built these, uh, remember my team built these COVID-19 dashboards where I can quickly go in and look at all of our clients day over day, uh, week over week, month over month, and year over year, uh, global sales, sales from Google ads, things like that, and kind of do a comparison. At the beginning, like one week into this, we still had 67% of our clients were up at least year over year and month over month. Okay? Amazing. I just looked this morning. So I went through all, all accounts. Um, we saw about 80 accounts. Um, 75% are up right now. That's and great. Another, like another 5% are flat. There's a few that are like plus or minus 2%. There's some that are down though. And I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you about the, the, the categories we're seeing that are down. This may or may not be global. I've seen some other studies that back this up, but uh, apparel is down in some cases, like accessories, things, watches, things like that are down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, we're seeing some luxury items. We have a, a client that sells luxury bedding, like really high-end bedding. Although they just had a major turn. Like they were, they got hit hard at the beginning of this, but the last 
uh, April's been been great. Anyway, um, so so let's take let's first take an e-commerce company that's kind of had a rough go of it. Like they're not doing so well in this COVID nineteen world, and maybe they're hearing from their friends. Or I think I think the the uh, CEO of Shopify just said it's like Christmas every day right now. And there and and this this entrepreneur is saying, well, not for me. Like I, I'm not I'm not there. Right, right. Right. So what what advice would you give to the struggling e-commerce brand? What should they be thinking about doing now? And then also, what should they be doing as as you know we come out of this and yeah, whatever the new normal looks like. So this this is going to be a little bit counterintuitive. Okay. If you are not performing the way that you would like to be performing, I'd be willing to bet money nine bucks. I'll bet that you are thinking too big. Now that's counterintuitive because most people say you need to think bigger, you need to go harder, you need to move faster. I think you are overlooking all of your opportunities because you're comparing yourself to the people that you perceive to be doing bigger things. It does not take a lot of people to build a really wildly successful, profitable business. You do not need a million customers to do damage. You need a few people who really give a crap. So the way that you can pivot from stagnant growth or from a reduction in sales to growth again is to go all in on the people who are giving a crap and go get more of them. What most people do is they ignore all of the good news that they're getting from their customers and they look for the problems and so they find more of them. And so they end up being in this endless loop of trying to fix things that are broken rather than serving and going and get more people that they want to serve. So if you go after the people that are really happy, after the people who need exactly what you've got, and you communicate them in a way that they're used to being communicated to, you'll have a new audience in 90 days. So a a lot of people, and I've, I've experienced this myself, where you kind of overlook the 100 people that are showing up because you see somebody else has a 1,000 or a million. Right, right. But if you go all in on those 100, like I tell people when they're launching a new business, if you can get 100 people, 100 people really excited to the point where they will post about you on social media and they will review your product on Amazon and they'll go on auto ship on your Shopify store and they'll subscribe on YouTube and share your videos, 100 of those people who care, like you can build a six or seven figure business with those 100 people. And so, so I, I think that the entrepreneur is thinking beyond where they are and they're beating themselves up for where they're not rather than maximizing where they are. But that's the route that they have to go through if they want to get back to growth. Yeah, I, I love that. And, and one of the other things we're seeing, you know, talking about maybe you're thinking too big or, or you're thinking beyond what you need to focus on. You know, sometimes we think, hey, I need some kind of complex funnel or I need, I need some kind of new whiz-bang thing when, when really maybe what you need to do is just put up some solid, Google search ads or some shopping ads, like get some of those now buyers, put out great content like you're talking about, connect with people, like do some really simple things. Very simple things right now are having a pretty high return. Yeah, I mean, the way I like to look at it is just celebrate and highlight whatever you want more of. So Mm -hmm. if somebody leaves you a five-star review on Amazon, screenshot that, post it on social media, respond to them publicly, and then send them a gift basket and watch them respond publicly to you. And watch how many other people are like, well, shoot, they're doing that for a five-star review. I'm, I'll like, leave some five-star reviews. I haven't reviewed this guy. Yeah. Right? Or, or if, if you just email, email your list and say, thank you. you know, I haven't reached out in a while and you know, mm-hmm. we're a small business. I just want to say thank you. I yeah. know you, there's a lot of people that could have your attention and you gave five minutes of it to us and I just appreciate it. Thank you. Like the more you appreciate what you want more of, it appreciates. You get more of it. So turn your attention away from where you are not and put it towards what you want more of and you will get more of it. Yeah, that's awesome. Super powerful. So, okay, uh, let's let's flip it now. So let's look at, you know, and I don't know what the global numbers are, but but for our client base, 75% are up right now. Like, like, you know, they're and maybe they even feel bad that they're, you know, they're talk, there's the news that people are being laid off and the restaurant industry is being decimated and things like that. And they're like, well, I just had like a record month, you know? 
Um, so, so what about the e-commerce brand that's doing really well right now? Any, any advice, any, any, you know, uh, things you tell them, Hey, don't get lulled to sleep here or just any words of advice for those who are doing well right now. Uh, for the brand that is doing really well, don't overlook the people that are making it possible for you to do really well. So you're doing something well, great. Keep doing it and double down on your appreciation for your customers. Double down on your appreciation for your best team members. Because I'm trying to see how to word this. Um, There are, we're all a little bit on eggshells because we're all a little bit, we could all be sucker punched right now. So you better be extra thankful for the people who are spending the most money with you and the people who are most contributing to your success. And they should be more appreciative to you too. We're all having to step up a little bit more. So don't get soft on the people that are making it possible for you to be continuing to kill it. I love that advice. I actually just did an interview with a guy named David Wax and uh, he's got a service to help you create handwritten notes. It was just such a, it was interesting to me because I've been a kind of a marketing junkie since the early 2000s. And I was a Jay Abraham fan and Dan Kennedy fan and like looked at, you know, hand addressed mail and lumpy mail and things like that. But, but hearing him talk and then actually a friend of mine owns a jewelry store and I've helped them with their marketing for over a decade now. I bought something recently and he sent me a handwritten note and it had a couple of lines in it. And this is something I was just reminded. They do this with everybody. Mm. Everybody. They'll send a handwritten note. It'll have like a, a couple little nuggets in there. It's not just like, hey, thanks for your purchase. Really appreciate it. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, hey, I really hope Brittany enjoyed this because, you know, she made this comment. Like there's, there's something personal in it. But that, uh, if I didn't already love the guy and love the company, like I, I would now. I, would I think there's some pieces of that that e-commerce companies could do too. Why not take an hour a day in the evening now when you're in lockdown and write a handwritten thank you to, to some of your best customers and make it personal and put some meaning in it. Um, I think that would be a, a huge, uh, a huge return on time. So yeah, I, I, love I, think, that. I think too many people try to scale before they do the grunt work at the beginning and mm-hmm. that allows them to scale or said differently. I think too many people are worried about growth rather than they are about those beginning stages when they're kind of setting the landscape. And when you're at the, especially at the beginning, like going all in on the people who actually care just completely changes the trajectory of your business. There's, there's, I mean, this, this is a reason why people say that your network is your net worth mm-hmm. is because the people that are surrounded, those are op- that surround you, those are your opportunities. And it takes one person to have the right audience or the right investor or the right connection or the right idea that changes everything. But people are so focused on what they're going to get out of the transaction that they ignore the kind of stuff you're talking about. Brett. Yeah. Love it. So uh, I love that you've kind of transitioned to, you know, you're an investor, you're an advisor, you're doing all kinds of fun things right now. Uh, it's always interesting to hear from an, an advisor or an investor's perspective. What do you look for in an e-commerce company? So if you're going to invest your money or your fund's money into an e-commerce store, what are you looking for? And the reason I ask that is because I think there's some clues there, even for somebody that doesn't want to sell, like somebody that just wants to keep their business, they don't want investors, whatever. There, there's a lesson there on here's what makes for a real business. Here's what makes for yeah. a successful business. So what, what do you look for? Yeah, there's, there's two things right off the bat. The first is I am looking at the mindset of the entrepreneur. And like number one, no question, you are betting on the jockey. You are betting on the person when you make an investment. Mm-hmm. 100%. Because we have all had great ideas that sucked. We've all, we've all had them. And so you are betting on the person who is leading the ship. And I am evaluating how excited are they about the process? How excited are they to build the product line? How excited are they about the mission and the story? I am not looking at projections. I am not looking at market size. I am not looking at the entrepreneur saying how much money they're going to make. That's a turn off to me. Not because I don't like money. My company is capitalism.com. I really like money. I am looking at it because the most profitable bet is on the person who is going to be operating in the service of other people. 
So that's the first thing I'm looking for. The next thing I'm looking for, number two, the best marketing in the world is a great freaking product. So true. It's so true. There, I mean, think about, we, think about Google. Like Google didn't invest in marketing for years. Yeah. You, you've, you said like, uh, you kind of quipped that somebody thinks, oh, I need like a great complex funnel. And no, you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Most billion dollar companies don't have complex funnels. They have great freaking products. And so I'm looking at what does the customer say about the uh, buying experience and the product? What does the market say they want? How are people coming back and buying more of it? So ideas are crap. The, the person who is in charge and the excitedness of the customer, those, those are the things that matter right off the bat. If those two things pass then we can talk business. Nice. Yeah, I, I like that. So you're, you're looking for, does this entrepreneur have the passion, which that's maybe an overused or poorly used word, but do, do, you know, do, they, do they love this? Do they have resilience? Or they, do they have tenacity? I, lo- I love your interview recently that you did on your podcast with Moise Ali, mm-hmm. the founder of, of Native Deodorant. And he talks about this too. And actually, he's got a new podcast coming out which I don't remember the name of, but I'll link to Exit it. Exit Strategy. Exit Strategy, yeah. So Moyes, mutual friend. Uh, we actually, we, we client of ours as well, full disclosure, but I uh, love, their, love their product. But, but Moyes like embodies, and, and he even says like, you don't have to do it the way he did it, of course, but he embodies like this amazing, resilient entrepreneur. Um, so, so you're looking for that. But is so just there a, to piggyback on that, Brett, yeah. Moyes is chapter four in my new book. Is that right? Okay. I open with the story of Moyes taking a stick of native deodorant and rubbing it on his shirt because he was in iteration mode on his product of how do we make this better? How do we make this better? How do we make this better? And that's the type of entrepreneur that has a shot. Most people, and this is, I, I get taken to the cleaners in the Amazon circles because the people ask me like, when you're, when you're browsing for a product on Helium 10 and, and Jungle Scout, what do you look I'm like, I don't use any data to tell me what product my customers want. I can look at it for market size. And like those tools can be really helpful for making final decisions. But to, to try and decide what business you're going to be in based on market data is usually a sign that somebody is in it to extract money from the market rather than to create something that is unique and different for a specific group of people. One of those is a lifestyle business that you can manage and, and you know, be fine, be a full-time entrepreneur and worry about money a lot. Um, the other is to be a brand that can be scaled and sold. And I like to bet, I like to bet on entrepreneurs who are willing to build brands. Awesome. And just to kind of fill out that story a little bit so that you'll go by the book and so that you'll listen to Moise's podcast... Started native deodorant in his kitchen within two years time. Was it right about two years? Sold the PNG for $120 million. Started with $500. Yeah. And 18 months later, had an offer on the table. Insane. It's insane. Yeah. Uh, so so <laughs> yes. check, out, check out his podcast. Check out Ryan's book and get more of the scoop. So now let me ask you this because I, I love where you're coming from. I love the mindset of like, you got to bet on the jockey. You have to understand the entrepreneur. But I also like data, and I get the sense that you like data too because you've been very successful. Are there any data points you look at that tell you this is a this this is a successful entrepreneur? They they have what it takes to be successful, or is this more gut, more perception? How, how do you evaluate that? Are you talking about in the context of investing in someone? Yes. <laughs> um, well, one of the pieces of data that I'm looking at is like a in the investment world we would call it return on invested capital. Mm-hmm. but it's not that fancy sounding when I'm actually looking at it because I'm more looking at it as, is this person a good steward of the money that I'm about to give them? And have they proven that by being willing to spend a dollar and make a dollar back and consider it a win? So I'm looking at how aggressively they can acquire and are willing to acquire customers. That so is- that's a data point that I'll look at. Is somebody willing to make the YouTube video to run the YouTube ad, to spend in the red in the short term on Amazon, to go spend the money to build the audience, to create the relationships with influencers and advisors? Or are they holding on to it with this mindset of, 
it's a it's a hundred percent pie. I'm going to keep as much of the pie as possible, and that's my baby. I run from those entrepreneurs. I run from them, and it's because if you don't believe that an outside relationship is going to make the pie bigger, then you don't get how capitalism works. Right. right. Capitalism works by you and me coming together and creating new value that did not exist before. But most entrepreneurs are instead looking at it as there's this fixed pie and I'm going to carve out a little slice and I'm going to hold on to as much of it as possible. That's that's an entrepreneur who's going to plateau and I can't invest in that person. Yep. So if you're willing to make the pie bigger by showing me that you're willing to acquire customers, even going to the red to acquire customers because you're so confident that your business has the runway to be able to make up for the loss in the long term. If you haven't proven that, then I'm not sure you're ready to take on my money. Yep. Growth, growth mindset versus a scarcity mindset yes. in a lot of ways that, it, that if I'm giving you something that I lose it rather than we can all, we can all win. Yeah. That's right. To- totally makes sense. Um, would love to get your perspective on this because this has been another interesting thing for me, right? So we've we've you know made some good decisions, I think, in in uh, with OMG Commerce and made some dumb decisions uh, decisions too. But you know, we've been thinking about like, what do I invest in? What do I what do I do right now? Because it was such a flip in in mindset for me several years ago when I heard, um, I may have heard Garrett Gunderson who was on your podcast, also with Gary Vee and a few other people talk about. Well, now we're just waiting for the next recession, right? Because that's when that's when there's going to be opportunities. That's when, that's when things are going to go on sale. There's going to be discounts. We're going to invest. Sure. That, you know, a lot of money was made in the Great Depression, as an example. So it was a difficult time, mm-hmm. obviously. Uh, I was not alive then. My kids like to make jokes like I was. I'm not that old, <laughs> only 40 years old. But, um, you know, so lots of opportunities here. I think, though, going back to some points we made in the beginning, there could be some people that are saying, like, I don't know what to do. Like, I, I'm, uh, you know, I, do, I, do I go buy stocks now? Do I invest in this company now? There's this fear of, Maybe I'm going to miss a golden opportunity in sure. the midst of this. So how, how are you approaching investing right now? What, what advice would you give to the, the investor who's kind of sitting on the sidelines right now trying, trying yeah. to wonder what to do? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, full disclosure, I'm an idiot on the internet who just enjoys talking about this stuff. So don't listen to anything. This is that not I investment say. advice. Yeah. yeah. Um, Specific investment advice. Just, just, just don't listen to anything that I say. There's, I'm an idiot on the internet. That's this disclaimer. And I'm like, I covered everything. I'm a moron and my last name is Moran. All right, don't listen to anything that I have to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in terms of investing, I, I've, if you listen to the smartest investors in the world, there's one thing that all of them say consistently. Invest in what you understand. Yes. yes. It is the same thing in business. Do not start a business that you do not have a strategic advantage in. Do not start a business that you don't know something more than the other person. Do not start a business where you don't know more about your customer or more about the marketplace or at least believe in something so much that you're willing to put your blood, sweat, and tears into it. Do not do that. And the same is true in investing. In investing, invest in the companies that you know something about because that is how marketplaces price things. So... The price is not like some illusory thing that is outside of, of, uh, outside of people. It's people's perception. And so if you know something early on, like how many of us were shopping on Amazon before the rest of the world? Most of us. How many people were using Zoom before the rest of the world? Most of us. How many people are buying Bitcoin knowing that there's no utility to it right now. A lot of people. And those are speculators who are hoping that it's going to go up in value. Now, you get a pass if you're actually buying things in Bitcoin and you can see where it's being utilized. But that is like 1%. Yes, yeah, like I don't, I don't think I know anybody that's right. doing that, but right. maybe. Yeah. So, so like w- there's no utility there. So the only reason you would buy it is because you think it's going to go up in value. And that is how most people are approaching stocks and investing. I hope this goes up in value. When reality, you're looking at companies and sectors that you know something about, and you can make a will, like a, a voluntary bet on it doing well, versus trying to just price time things and and buy it buy low and then hope that it goes up. I don't catch the falling knife, so to speak. Like it's right. impossible to time the market. The smartest right. people in the world can't do it. I, I mean, now now to my own credit. We, we, uh, I came out publicly to my list and I said, look, 
the Dow is probably going to break down to 22,000, then 20,000, then 18,000. We'll bounce from 18,000, um, go back up to 24, and then we're going to go right back down to 20. And that has like happened almost exactly. Wow. So, so, so like from a marketplace perspective, that like we nailed it at capitalism.com. However, the strategy with how you respond to that doesn't change that much. It's by good companies that you believe yep. in at good prices. And the only that you, thing that, that you the, understand when there's a value there, correct. you understand when it's on sale. As an correct. Yeah. So the only thing that knowing what the market will do or might do, might it, the only thing that's going to tell you is how the broad market is responding to all of the news. It should not affect your decision to evaluate a good company. The only way that you can respond even when the, the market goes from 30,000 to 20,000, the only proper way to respond is getting out ahead of that. Knowing what your shopping list of businesses, businesses are before there is a big event. Because otherwise, you have no way to properly price that business. So we're getting into like mumbo jumbo here. Here's the, here's, here's the real takeaway. The business you know most about is your own. And so your, your dollars are best deployed in your own business. I recommend not, sorry, I shouldn't say recommend in the context of investing. <laughs> I take 10% of take-home money and put that into the market. And I put that into companies that I like that pay a dividend or that I know a lot about. And that's my long-term investment strategy. Everything else goes into companies I know really well, which usually come from my own network. and or that I own a piece of. That's, that, to me, is the smartest thing that you can do. Nice. And I, I mean, I let's, actually, let's just look at this conversation we've had. We've yeah. talked about YouTube ads are, are on sale right now. Yep. Influencers are on sale right now. Guess what, Brett? That's investing. It is investing. It we're is. Buying underpriced investing. assets. Yep. And we're selling stuff. That's yep. investing. And guess what? We have a strategic advantage yep. knowing that that's the case. That's where we should put our dollars. And you know what might happen next is that Google might report lower revenue because prices are down. And then we'll go, hmm, that's not going to last. Maybe yeah. it's time to buy Google. Google stuff. That's yeah. smart investing. Not, is the market going to go up or is it going to go down? That's that's a fool's yeah. game. Yeah. I, got the, I got this stock tip from my neighbor. He said, <laughs> this, this, is a, this is a can't lose stock over here. Uh, but I, lo I love that. I think that's something that a lot of people aren't thinking about is, you, you know your business, you know traffic, you know whatever, like invest in it when it's on sale. Like that's, yes. if, if YouTube ads are down in cost 20 to 50% and you know what you're doing and you have a good offer and a good ad and all that, you just made 20% on your money like, <laughs> than, what, than what you would have had otherwise, right? Like that's that's yeah, a pretty that's, good investment. That's good ROI. It's <laughs> good ROI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if nothing else changes, that's pretty good ROI. That's so. right. That's fantastic. Um, let's talk a little bit about the stuff you got going on and how people can kind of uh, get involved. So, so first of all, let's talk about capitalism, the capitalism conference. Why did you do that? And, and is there any, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, but is there plans? I mean, that's going to happen at some point in the future. <laughs> any, any ideas when? Yeah. So, so it's, it's so funny. You should ask Brett. So you asked about the story of the capitalism conference. It's kind of an embarrassing story. A few years ago, I used to fall asleep to this thought. This is like, I, must, I think I had just moved to Austin. So like 2013, I used to have this thought. I used to ask myself, what's the biggest strategic risk I could take right now that if it paid off would change my life? And that was how I would approach business when I was like in mm. my 20s. That's a, a bold thought, man. It's bold, bold right? Exercise, yeah. And so I ran the numbers on an event and I discovered that it would basically require most, if not all of my retained earnings that I had up until that point. Dude. And so I said, okay, it'll cost that much, but I'll sell tickets. And I know I'll sell some. So if I can sell some, I can offset the cost so it won't be a total loss. So I had about half a million dollars in retained earnings and I bet them. And wow. I, and my thought was... This, this is also sad. probably not investment advice. This either. is not investment advice. <laughs> but don't, start, I, don't put all your money in a new event you're creating, but yeah. Probably not, especially right now, Brett. Right, right. So, so the, but the thought to me was, you know what? I don't feel like I'm on the path 
that is going to bring me the most growth and fulfillment. So the only way I know how to hack that is to surround myself with people who are on the path that I want to be on. And so I booked right out of the gate. I paid them their crazy speaking fees. Gary Vaynerchuk, yeah. Grant Cardone. Which, and dude, that's, that's paid off because you, you're, you're, you and, and Gary V like hang out. So, I mean, like that, that's I mean, been, become a relationship. Yeah. He wrote the endorsement on the top of that my book. Dude, Gary, where I'm awesome. very proud of. Um, Grant Cardone ended up being a great story because I thought it was a real D-bag. And, uh, <laughs> and Robert Hershevec. I think there the, may be a decent number of people that think that. Yeah. Oh, I've got, I've got stories, Brett. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and so, but basically what happened was I, I, I basically put half a million dollars into building my network. And, and I was like, and I'll sell tickets and we'll see who shows up. That was the first Capcon uh, back in like 2014 or 15. And uh, this year, it obviously didn't happen. And we'll, we'll bring it back. We'll have Capcon 5. I don't know when that will be. But what we just announced, we just announced, I do a, a, a membership called the 1%. We just announced that Capcon is basically going to be rolled into membership. So our members, all of their membership dues are just going to be credits for Capcom and Capcom's going to end up being our Super Bowl. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. I don't know when it's going to happen, um, but we're really pumped about it. Cool. I'll, I'll link to everything. It's capitalism.com. Check it out. And then you can be uh, informed then when, when that does go live. Um, let's talk a, a little bit about the, the 1% and what you guys are doing there and, and who might be a good fit for that. And then I want to talk about your book. Okay, cool. I mean, you know, what's funny is uh, this, this is me really letting my hair down with you, Brett. I'm just going right, to like it. hanging yeah. out for a second. <laughs> Have you ever noticed in your business that the things that are really hard that you think are going to be amazing don't work out as highly as like the things that are really easy and you're like, that's too easy. It's not going to work. Yep, yep. I just had this with the 1% where like we have... We put all our trainings in there, like tens of thousands of dollars worth of training. And you like want to make the most amazing can't say no offer, except for the fact that no one wants more training. And then just, <laughs> re- just recently, we started doing this thing. Um, we just call it like sun- Sunday capitalism coffee. Like we all get together and we get on, uh, uh, like we do a live and we just like, somebody has an ask of the community. We bring them on live and they're like, look, I'm really struggling with this piece. Um, does anybody know an investor? And the whole group will come in and like comment and open their network, right? And so it's just like a Sunday coffee mastermind was something that I threw together because I wanted to hang out more with my community. Huge success. Takes no preparation. Takes no, you're not not creating courses or anything. So it's it's a community of capitalists. And I mean, really our, our bread and butter is build a business and invest the profits. That's the content we create. Those are the courses that we put in there. That's who we surround ourselves with at the event. And it's all rolled into our membership called the 1%. So it's funny because it's kind of in trans... You asked me right now when we're kind of in transition of like all the stuff that we thought was going to be so hard and so valuable are the things no one pays attention to and the things that are so easy, like creating... Com- for, for me anyway, creating community for for entrepreneurs and serving one another and opening our network for one another and investing in one another. And there's somebody who, who was like, Hey, this is my idea. Uh, what do you think of it? And other, and people are commenting like, I want one, I want one, like I'll pre-order. And so it's, it's a community for capitalists and it's a community that opens up its network and its resources to help people build businesses and invest the profits. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. And, and it, one, one thing I will say, you know, you have a skill set for building community. Like you're naturally good at that. You're, you're good with people. You communicate well, you're perceptive, like all this. So that plays into it. But I think the concept you just shared is true with everybody. Like the thing, probably the thing that comes the most natural and the easiest to you may also lead to the biggest wins, you know, in, in, in some cases. Yeah. And, and it's taken me, you know, 32 years to learn that, that we're all unique in some way and our uniqueness is our greatest value. Now, one of the hard things for entrepreneurs, especially internet entrepreneurs, at least in my experience, has been that we perceive other people's big wins as the thing that we need to mimic in order to have success. So, I, but, but the thing that stands out to me is like, um, uh, my favorite baseball player of all time is named Kenny Lofton. Right? Biggest, biggest Hall of Fame snub in history. Like he should be- is, is that because he played for the Indians or you're just, you're just a fan? Well, he was an electrifying player. 
Okay. Um, I've heard the might, name. I'm not a huge baseball guy, but I've you heard might the name. argue like the question is legitimate of am I an Indians fan because of Kenny Lofton or am I a Kenny Lofton fan because of the Indians? <laughs> an electrifying player, right? And he was a speedster and a defender and he hit a lot of singles. Well, at the same time, there was a, a player on the team named Albert Bell, biggest power yep. hitter yep. of the era. know that name. Mm-hmm. Had Kenny Lofton tried to be a power hitter like Albert Bell, he would have sucked. And, and yet in the inter, in like the entrepreneurial world, there's a lot of Kenny Loftons who are trying to be Albert Bells. Yeah. They're, like they're, they're building businesses mimicking everybody else's funnel, everyone else's ads, everyone else's advertising strategy, everyone else's product. And the fact of the matter is you're trying to mimic someone else's game and they've already got it. And so it's taken me 32 years, I think, to really realize that what is naturally easily and motivating and exciting and fun for me is my greatest gift to the people around me. Do you have any idea how much fun I've had in the last hour? I will walk out of this interview with more energy yeah, than, yeah. than when I started. I'm so proud of the book I wrote because it's me just bleeding on the paper and, and like analyzing every word and loving every minute of it. And so it's going to be really easy for me to sell it because I'm going to look someone in the face and be like, you want to start a business. If you want to hit a million dollars, this is the book. Yep. Go read yep. it. It's the yep. best thing. You and I will have no conflict of like, should they really do it? It's like, no, go read the book. Cause if you're an idiot, if you don't read the book and I've had the experience in the past where I've had products that I didn't feel that way about. And guess what happens? You overthink the copy and you analyze every little thing and it takes you forever to build that funnel. Whereas if you just did what was naturally easily motivating to you, the whole world would open up to you. So mm-hmm. this is the lesson I'm learning in my yeah. career right now. Brad. I love it. So, so one, one final thought, and then I want to, I want to get into the, the book and the details there. I think there's, there's something there's this, there's this interesting balance and in this challenge of, saying, hey, I'm going to look at the Albert Bells or I'm going to look at these successful entrepreneurs. I'm going to look at the Ryan Daniel Morans of the world and say, okay, there, there are clues in their success, right? Success sure. leaves, leaves clues. So I, I want to learn from those clues, but I can't become Ryan. I'm not Ryan. I've got to be me, right? That's so right. I've got to be Kenny Lofton, not Albert Bell. Any, any, any tips or tricks there? Or is it just a matter of, of getting that mind right? Yes. Your emotions are the guide to that. Now, that sounds woo-woo, airy-fairy, weirdo at first, but hear me out. Your emotions are a really good sign of what you really want. Does it excite you or does it make you contract? That So like we're all really driven by our emotions. Mark Manson wrote the book, Everything is Effed. You know, he also wrote The Subtle Art, um, but I really liked his follow-up book, which is called Everything is Effed. And in it, he, ta- he talks about the thinking brain and the feeling brain. And how they're both in the car, but the feeling brain is the one with its hands on the wheel. And the thinking brain is navigating, saying, I think we should go this way. But the thinking brain cannot make the hands on the wheel move in a different direction. The thinking brain is subservient to the feeling brain. Now, we all, especially in the West, prioritize the thinking brain because it's rational and it's reasonable, but it ain't driving the car. We cannot outthink our emotions. Our emotions have their hand on the wheel and it is deciding where it's going when it's hungry, when it's angry, when it wants something, it finds ways to get it. And the thinking brain has to sit there and go, okay, I got to find a new map. And so the, 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 our emotions, when we're happy, when we're excited, when we're relaxed, when we feel loving, when we feel giving, when we feel energized, when we feel at ease, when we feel playful, when we feel excited, those are all in line with the things that we want. We feel those ways because we're thinking about and practicing the things that we really want. And when we're not giving it what the, think, the feeling brain, what we really want, when we're stressed, when we're thinking about money, when we're trying to predict the future, when we're thinking about strategy in a way that gets the results, not the way that makes us excited, we are now robbing our emotions of what they really want. So the way that we really unlock your superpower is to pay attention to the way things make you feel rather than the strategy that is going to get you there. And it, man, I had to... 
I had to beat my, my head against the wall enough times to finally realize that the wall wasn't moving. I was just going to walk around it. And, and it's lead, led me to this conclusion. I am not smarter than my emotions. Mm. So I, I do stupid things when my emotions are out of whack. And so if I'm good with my emotions, then I'm a really clear thinker. Then I really get a lot of good things done. But when I'm afraid, when I am nervous, when I feel out of, out of integrity, man, I cannot think my way to success. And so finding out who we really are and what really drives us is a matter of tuning into our emotional abilities, not our mental IQ. Dude, that's good. That's really good. I'm going to check, it out, check that book out. Deep stuff. Uh, but now let's talk about your book. So let, tell me why I would be an idiot not to buy your book, which I believe that I would be. Uh, be <laughs> uh, because it is the playbook to building a business to seven figures in a way that is scalable and sellable and a way to do it with minimal startup capital, almost no risk, and in a way that is predictable and has been proven over hundreds and hundreds of entrepreneurs with case studies that make it fun enough for you to breeze through it. So in my career... And I'm assuming your writing style is like your speaking style because this, this is like this very, is very digestible, entertaining, fun, high energy. Just so you write in similar fashion. Yeah, my editor took out some of the curse words, but, but yes... So, <laughs> so yeah, you want to hold up your, for those that are watching the video. You want to yeah, hold up yeah, yeah. So, so this is it. this is twelve months to one million. Quote by Gary Vaynerchuk up top, forward by Russell Brunson. Russell Brunson, yeah. Which I was actually thinking. So Russell Brunson's a friend. Uh, we actually did a project together in two thousand nine called DCS Local. I felt I felt this need to like shout out to Russell. I know we were talking negatively about complex funnels. Click funnels is still great. <laughs> Russell Brunson is still great. You still may be one funnel away from something. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, so just throwing that out there. Uh, I use ClickFunnels too. Yep, so yep. so my, my strategy at capitalism.com has been very simply to help entrepreneurs align those four products that sell 25 sales a day to get to 100 sales. At a $30 price point, that's a million-dollar business. So this is kind of the fast lane to getting those four products to 25 sales a day and having a million dollar business. It's broken into three stages. Stage one is the grind. The grind is discovering who your target market is, what they buy, deciding what your first product is going to be, coming up with a launch plan, funding the business, those hard decisions that we need to get out of the way as quickly as possible so that we can take a darn sale. Stage two, I call the growth. It is about getting that product to 25 sales a day. And here's how we do it. We do that by stacking the deck. And stacking the deck is building up a small seed audience that wants what we've got ready on launch day. And then going all in on our customers, our reviewers, and the people who are watching our stuff until we're at 25 sales a day, screenshotting every review, replying to every comment until we're doing the consistent 25 sales a day. Then stage three is called the gold. It's when we repeat that process over three more products. And so we have four products doing 25 sales a day. That's 100 sales a day. Now, the caveat to this is once you're in stage three, things compound way faster. In my experience, if when you launch that second product off the back of something doing 25 sales a day, the first product will also go way up because you have repeat sellers, you have crossover sales, you have upsells, you have word of mouth, you have subscribe and save, you have people on auto ship. And so the snowball starts to build. So if you're a new entrepreneur on a new journey, this is going to give you clarity and a, and a roadmap to hitting seven figures. If you are already in business, this is a book that is going to help you build a sustainable business that you can scale and sell. So I know there's a lot of entrepreneurs who are wondering, how do I, like, I've got something that's working, but I don't feel like I have something that I can scale and sell. The problem is probably that you don't know who your who is. You're not going all in on that person and you are not doing the things that allow that business to sustain it without you working all the time. So if you're working too much and you don't have a business that you can sell or you want to be more sellable, this, this is the book that'll give you a seven-figure business you can sell. That's awesome. And, and I'm a firm believer, I know you are too, that really the, the companies that will succeed and win in the coming years are those that build a brand, those that are focused yes. on the customer, those that build a great product. And, and I'm, I'm super excited. I can't wait to dig into the book. So check it out, 12 months to 1 million. Also, capitalism.com. Go there, check out Ryan's podcast. 
come to the next event, whenever that may be. Uh, Ryan, this has been a blast, man. I've had it so much fun. Get the chat with you. Too. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, a lot of fun. Any any asks? Anything you want to ask from the audience? Uh, well, you know this. <laughs> Since you since you asked, I was recording a so, a solo podcast earlier today, and I just decided to do like I on the spot while I was recording, I was like, "Hey, here's an idea," and just dropped it on my podcast. So I'm just testing this. Um, I have over at capitalism.com/book. I put together bulk order options for the book, and the one that I put together was the top tier was you'll fly to Austin and we'll come up with a strategic plan to build a seven-figure business for you in a day. And then I'll open up my network to help promote the business. And I'll even consider investing in the business. Dude. So so that's at capitalism.com slash book. Quarantine's getting to you, man. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) So so my ask is like, if if you have an audience or if you've been just kicking around the idea of doing this for too long, or if you've got a podcast and you want to do something cool by your audience... Uh, I, I just decided to put together one of the tiers being that you can come to Austin or we can do it on Zoom if the quarantine goes on for the rest of the year. And uh, we'll map out the strategic plan to build a seven-figure business for you custom tailored. And then I'll consider it opening my network or even my wallet to, to back the business. So Dude, that was, that was the most out. no-brainer offer I could think of to promote. That is super fun. So check it out, capitalism.com forward slash book. Ryan, Daniel Moran, ladies and gentlemen. Ryan, thanks again, man. We'll have to do it again sometime. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was great chatting with you all. Thank you. Uh, Absolutely. And as always, we appreciate you. We'd love to hear more of what you would like us to dive into on this podcast. So give us some feedback. Give us that review on iTunes if you're so inclined. And with that, until next time, thank you for listening. All right, dude, that's a wrap. Hey, that was a lot of fun, man. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.